1: I'm going to share a word. Last year, I shared at Cherish Conference in the book of Daniel. And I found it so funny that when I went to pray about what to speak about today, I felt God draw me back to Daniel. But this time, I'm going to preach on Daniel's friends. And I'm going to share a bit of my story as well that I think is going to help all of us. So I'm going to sum up a bit of the story of Daniel and his friends. Um, You can find this in Daniel, um, the book of Daniel. Um, But Daniel and his friends shattered. Meshach, and Abednego. They were sons of Israel. They were the brightest, the most well-educated Uh, They were teenagers and noblemen. They were devout Jews, but they were kidnapped from Israel and brought to Babylon. Babylon was a very immoral and a very wicked city, and they were brought there to serve the king. They stood up against the governing authorities of that day of Babylon. They did not share the same devotion to God and went against their beliefs in God. King Nebuchadnezzar set up a huge golden image in Babylon, this massive idol in Babylon, and he required everyone to bow down before it and to worship it. Daniel 3:6. Anyone who refused to do so would be thrown into the fiery furnace. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three of Daniel's closest friends, refused to bow down. The title of my message today is called I Will Not Bow, I Will Stand. I will not bow, I will stand. And I feel like there's just as much relevance of that book in the Bible as today. It sounds a lot like today. There are governing authorities that do not share our same devotion to our one true God. They don't have our belief systems and they have set up and they are trying to intimidate, threaten, and ask us to conform and to bow to ideologies that we do not agree with, to biblical principles that they do not have. So they want us to bow to their wicked, immoral um, ideologies and beliefs. But I think us, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I think there's some things on the inside of us that are ready to stand up against that which is not biblical and not bow to the governing authorities, but only bow to the one true God. Can I get an Amen. I believe the only way that Daniel and the three friends didn't bow was because they knew who they were in Christ. Their identity was rock solid. And I think for us to stand today in our society, in our lives, we too need that same assurance of our identity in God. So I want to share just a few thoughts about Daniel's friends that I think gave them strength that I think will give us strength too. So my first point is this, they had each other. They had each other. When the heat was turned up, when they faced an actual literal fire, but also when we face fires in our own lives, when the heat is turned up, who do we have on the left and the right? Do we have friends that we are honest and vulnerable with us that know us? And when it comes time to compromise or when we're being tested, can we look from side to side, have someone there that goes, do not bow, do not but do not compromise, or could we be the friend that tells our friend, do not bow, do not compromise? Who do we have? It's so great that we have a community of believers that, that we come to church to be strengthened by one another, that we go to conference to learn things that we don't know, to have one another now. And I think it's really important to do that because uh, we may not be facing our current fire now, Maybe right now we're not in the middle of a compromise or a test, or maybe we are. But I know this for a fact, that one day those moments will come. And that's why we have to do what's right now. We have to secure and ensure we have significant relationships now so that when we stand in front of the fire, we will not fold like a deck chair. You know, I find it interesting, even when you're having conversations with friends or family members or people in our world and society, you know, back when, when these three friends were, were asked to bow, the, the king, when they started to resist, when they started to go, mm, no, I don't think I'm going to bow, the, the king turned the heat up seven times hotter. Like, how does that even make sense? Like, heat is hot. What's, what's seven times hotter than hot? But they get enraged. Don't you feel like that happens when we're in conversations with people about ideologies and beliefs we don't agree with? They go from one to seven in negative seconds flat. A Christian will hold their own. They they can speak peacefully because we know what we believe. We're sharing our belief system. But they go to rage. They go to threats. They get all kinds of crazy because they don't know what they believe. And a spirit of wickedness is energizing them to try to intimidate us to bow. But we don't have a wicked spirit. If we're in Jesus, we have the spirit of the living God on the inside of us. And that's why the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Y'all are the smartest people on the planet. We're here learning now. We're encouraging each other now for what is yet ahead. Can I get an amen? Okay, point number two. No one can stand for you in the fire. When these three friends faced all kinds of adversity, I find it fascinating that on that day, their leader, their friend, their example wasn't there with them. We don't know where Daniel was during this time. And if you know anything about the Bible, and I encourage you to read the book of Daniel, it's extraordinary. Daniel, the Bible says, had an excellent spirit in him. He was strengthened by God. He was thrown into the lion's den and the lions did not demolish him. He came out. He had already given the example. Pastors Jurgen and Leanne for us, they have gone before us. They have given us their example. They have shown us what it looks like to have a courageous spirit on the inside. And here's the the most magnificent thing is that that when Daniel's friends faced their fire and their leader wasn't there, when we face our fire and our leader's not there, our, our pastor, our connect leader, our friend, maybe they're not there. Maybe no one's there or, and, and no one's watching or maybe everyone's watching. But here's the thing, they might not be there, but if we have been around them and we've received from them, then we've received the same spirit on the inside of them that lives in us. And that spirit gives us strength because it's the living spirit of God. I just, I'm, just, I'm just preaching. I'm fired up. Listen, um, all of us will have a time that comes. We will have moments in life when we're asked to compromise, when we're asked to bow down to beliefs that we don't agree with. I remember years ago, I um, my first career job out of college. I was working for a recruiting firm here in San Diego, and I was really, from what I knew, the only Christian in the building. I, I knew one other person, actually, that was a Christian that was about it. And, and I wanted to make friends, and I was the new kid on the block, and I was in sales, and I was learning all the things. And, and finally, one day, they asked me to go out to dinner. And so I went out to dinner with them, and, and I'm like, yes, okay. This is where I'm going to, like, make some friends here, be an example. And then um, the conversation starts happening, and all of a sudden, the conversation starts to change, and they start talking about God. And I'm like, yes. Hello. And my heart begins to pound in my chest and they keep talking about God and, and then they start talking about Christians and I'm like, huh, yep, that's me. And then they're like, talk about Holy Ghost Christians and on fire Christians and not in a really nice way the conversation starts to turn about how ridiculous these Christians are and who do they think they are. And I'm sitting there like, but that's me. I'm all of those things. And I'm an on-fire, raise-your-hand kind of Christian. And uh, so I could feel it all bubbling on the inside of me. And and I was, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to. And then the moment passed me by. Now, remember, I went home that night, and I got in the car, and I was so sad. I was so ashamed of myself. I had an opportunity. I had a moment to stand for what I believed in and I folded. I didn't say a thing. The moment passed me by and I was so disturbed with myself and I remember asking God for forgiveness and I was like, God I'm so ashamed of myself. I didn't stand for you. And I remember saying to God, God if you give me another chance if you give me another opportunity then I'm going to, I'm going to praise you I'm going to share with people who you you are And so I, you know, that, that moment passed. Well, a couple of years later, I was now working for uh, a fortune 50 company. I was working for paychecks. I was a sales rep. The stakes were higher. I was in, you know, the national arena and I was, I was kind of on my way in my sales career. And, um, I had come into the company underqualified and, 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 and so I proved myself. I worked so hard and, and was just kind of rising to the top. And we had this huge conference here in St. Diego. And and, and the sales reps and all the bigwigs and all the who's who of the company all came to San Diego for this convention. And we're all there at the convention. and, And I remember they had a dinner there as well and uh, a dinner happened, and, and, and I was like, oh, okay, where am I going to go? Where am I going to sit? And I was just like, you know what? There's all the who's who of everybody. I'm just, i the new kid on the block. I'm just going to slip off to the side, and I, I sat at a table outside, and, and there wasn't anyone there. Well, all of a sudden, this one girl walks in, and she sits down at the table. I'm like, oh, that's the VP of sales, and then this other person walks in, and I'm like, oh, they're a corporate. Oh, and then the next person, I had the CEO, the CFO, the founder of the company of paychecks Worldwide. Like, they're all at my table. And they're all chatting. And then all of a sudden, the conversation turns. And uh, I'll never forget the founder of the company. He asked this question. He says, you know, because this was at the time where like the secret, everybody was talking about the secret. What's the secret? Which is hilarious. I was like, why keep it a secret? Like, I don't understand. But anyway, so it was the secret. And so they're all talking. And then he looks at me and he says, He's a, he says, you know, I'm just really struggling with trying to believe. Like, what do we think about a man and a woman married for life? Like, is it possible? And the whole conversation begins. And everybody starts sharing their opinion. And they were the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then this one girl I remember, she's talking about love candles. And, you know, you just light a love candle. And you just love each other. And if the the candle stops and the love dies, it dies. Get another candle. And I'm like, what on earth? But then I realize the setup and my heart starts to pound and I remembered a couple of years ago, and the moment came back, and all of a sudden I'm sitting there, and the, the founder of the company looks over and says to me, and you, what do you think? And I remember, this is my moment, so I looked at him square in the eyes with my heart, palpitating out of my chest, and I said, you know what? I do believe that marriage can happen between a man and a woman for their entire life, but I only believe that because I believe the Bible to be true. I believe that Jesus died to set us free, to give us strength to be able to do what no human can do, that we need some God to be able to stay together basically shared the gospel in 10 sentences, and everyone at the table was totally shocked. And he looked at me and he said, I'm not sure I believe or understand everything you just said, but I respect you. And I believe seeds were planted that day. Point number three, their identity and devotion was secure and steadfast on the inside. These three men that were taken from Israel, Israel put in Babylon, a very wicked city. They may have been brought to Babylon, but Babylon never lived in them. And I find it interesting because the moment they were taken into this wicked city, immediately their identity was being tampered and messed with. The moment they stepped into that, that place, this, the, the, the king's servants and the king's leaders decided, okay, what are we going to do with these noblemen from the Jews? We need to change their language. We need to change what they are wearing. They changed what they wore. They changed what they, the, the, the dress they had. They changed the culture. They changed the food that they ate. They changed everything that they could think of. Clothes, language, culture, education. They changed their names. You want to talk about messing with identity? Not only that, but the king wanted everyone to worship and be enamored and love him the most. So what he did in that season is he would make his male servants eunuchs. A eunuch is one where they take off the male anatomy. Now, we don't know exactly. The Bible doesn't tell us if this happened to Daniel and his servants. But if you read historically, it is very likely that that is what happened to them. Does that sound a little familiar to today? In an unbiblical society, in a wicked place, they will try to change everything on the outside, and they will even try to tamper with sexuality, to get people to bow to their wicked ideology. But instead, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, you know what? You can do whatever you want to us on the outside, but we know who we are on the inside, and we will not bow. That's some intact identity. And you know what? This really helped me. It actually doesn't have to take forever to have our identity secure, our devotion secure. They were teenagers when they were taken. That means they had very little time, really, to be educated in the things of Christ. And yet, they were able to stand in what was unfamiliar, in what was wicked, in what was horrible, because they actually believed what they believed do we? Do we believe in God? Do we believe in his word to be true? If we do, then that same devotion can live on the inside of us. You can change everything about me, but you will not change the God in me. How do we have that same security in our identity? You know, I think that the only way to do that is that these three guys, they learn to live beyond their pain. They learn to face their pain, to live beyond the rejection, to be taken out of what they knew and was familiar, to be put in an environment that they didn't really probably like, understand or want to be in, but they decided to live after loss. What, how about with us? When we have lost things, when things have been stripped away from us, can we choose to face the pain, to be healed from it, to then live a life that will minister to the whole world? Because that's what these three guys did. And I, I, I kind of understand a little something about pain. A couple of years ago, I started to have this horrible physical pain in my foot, and it was like, would start in my toes, and it would work its way up to my foot and to my leg, and it was a nerve problem, and so um, I would literally, if I walked for two miles, my, my foot would start to hurt so bad, I would have to stop walking. It got to the point where I couldn't wear, any shoe would agitate it. If I would put a shoe on and my two toes would touch each other, I would have extreme pain because I had a nerve that was just extended a little bit too far. So I had a nerve that was pinched all the time. And any time my two toes would come together, I would have this excruciating pain that would go from my foot and all the way up my leg and make me numb. And I can tell you this, because I tried one year, two years to live with this. No amount of numbness will make the pain go away. We can't pretend it's not there. I had to finally, I had tried all the things, I tried all these different therapies, all the things, none of them worked. And finally, I went to a specialist and I went to a surgeon and she did the MRI and the x-ray and all the things. And she looked and she said, Stacy, this is not going to take care of itself. You 100% need surgery. How many of us need to go to an expert? We need to go to a leader, a pastor, a friend, and get a real diagnosis and go, what? If we strip it all the way back, what is the cause of the pain? Because fixing the symptom will never work. We've got to get to the root cause. And this surgeon discovered the root cause was a nerve problem. And she said, we've got to remove it. You know, I know a little something about God. And he does the very same thing with us. If we will expose, if we allow people to help us to get to the root cause of pain, he won't say it never happened. We actually can look at our history and face what has happened in our history and know, yeah, that did happen. But God, the great surgeon, I had a surgeon that came in and removed the nerve. But we have the surgeon himself, God himself, that can come in to where the root cause pain started and begin to heal us from the inside out. He will not remove what happened, but he can help us detach from the pain. We can be delivered. We can be set free from the pain because numbness is never the answer. We have to expose what really happened in our history and in our life, address it face on, and allow God himself to heal us from the inside out. Can I get an amen? Amen. Point number four. They had a he will, but even if he doesn't, devotion and conviction. Get ready for this. Here's the story gets good. Daniel 3, 14 through 17. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image which I made very good. Wow, somebody has some, some you know, a... Uh, uh, worth in just himself, what I've done, what I've made, that never works. And says, but if you do not worship, you shall be thrown at once in the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can rescue you out of my hands? It's a very dangerous question, world. What God? Oh, there's a God. You remember the Titanic? The, the, the creator of the Titanic said the same thing. What God could sink this ship? And that ship sank. The world needs to be very careful with who they are raising their hand against. Because it's the one true God, that story ain't over. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to answer you on this point. When people come against our belief systems and what we believe, sometimes we just need to live our life in front of them. We don't even need to justify. We know the truth, and the truth sets people free says, But if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to rescue us from the furnace of the blazing fire, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. He will, but even if he doesn't. I want that kind of spirit on the inside of me that I'm believing for my promise. I'm believing that what God said to me, he will do. But even if he doesn't, oh kings of the world, oh compromise, I will not bow. What happens to us when our yes and amen is contested? when our promise looks dead in the water, when we cannot look at the end of a thing and and we can't in our own strength make the result happen, when we have to partner with God and step out in faith, not knowing the end from the beginning like God does. Abraham didn't know the end of his story, promised a child believing for 90 years. We say so much about Abraham and Sarah, but I'm like, I get it. Like, you were believing forever. You didn't know the end, and yet you had faith to believe. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the fire, literal fire. And yet they said, my God will, but even if he doesn't. Their identity was so secure in who their God was is ours. You know, I look at my own life, and multiple times in my life, my identity, uh, the devil has come to try to steal, to kill, and to destroy. In fact, when I first came to this church, um, in the first couple years we had um, Mike Connell come. It was our first freedom conference. It was a deliverance conference, and um, I remember there were all these altar calls, and I was actually on staff already at that point. I was serving at the church, and um, then finally I realized towards the end of the conference, oh my goodness, I haven't gone on any of the altar calls. I haven't come, come forward. And so I leaned over to my, Pastor Mike Connell, who I had just become a little bit friends with. And he's like a jovial grandfather who's, who, who sets people free, like devils flee. It's an awesome thing. And I leaned over and I said, oh, Pastor Mike Connell, I haven't gone forward on any of the altar calls, so I'm just going to go on up on your last one. And he goes, "Well, Stacy, you know what the last one is, right?" And I'm like, "No." And he's like, "Oh, it's the sexual freedom one." I'm like, "Oh, great." I'm like, the single pastor, like that's going to go forward on that altar call. But you know what? <laughs> when you want to get free, you don't care who's standing there, what people think. You get to the altar to get free. So that was the altar call. I was like, well, whatever. I'm not going up for that. But anyways, I'm going up anyway. And um, so, so I go up to the altar, and uh, he prays for me. And in one moment, he says, I break the lie that you will never need anyone. And I'm like, hmm, come again? <laughs> I wasn't the beautiful, sweet question that just went, oh, great. I was like, what? Uh, I don't understand. What do you mean I don't need anyone? Of course I need people. I'm the people's person. Like, I love people. I have people all around me all the time. And he looked at me, and he had a word of knowledge, and he said, listen, when you were in your teenage years, you made an agreement, and the devil amended that agreement that you would never need anyone. And then I began to remember that when I was 15, 16 years old, my sister was 18 years old. She had had a baby out of wedlock. It was a very hard time in our family. My family were missionaries in Ecuador, and it was really difficult, and she had this baby, and the baby was born. And one month later, this baby that had brought so much restoration, so much peace out of what was so difficult and so hard— Passed away one moment from the next. Sudden infant death syndrome. No reason. No why. No what. Gone. And I remember laying on my bed that night, crying my eyes out, going, God, I never want to love like this again. I never want to need like this again. It hurts too bad. And right then and there, in my most vulnerable state, the devil came. And he, yes and amen. And right there, a little wall began to form. Didn't even realize it. I went on with my life. I kept living my life. Came here. Then on that day, got powerfully delivered. Took about a year of healing and a journey of healing to break through and to ensure that I would never become numb again. And I am proud to say that from that day forward, I felt different. I behaved differently. I never felt that kind of numbness again. I became ooey-gooey, all the things. I went on. Before that, relationships were a little bit difficult, if I was honest. I had tons of friendships, but I didn't have deep relationships. From that day forward, I did. And I wound up, you know, dating and, you know, all the things. And then when I was 35 years old, I, I got engaged, and I was so pumped. Oh, my gosh, I'd waited so long. It finally happened, and I was so excited and all the things and then I heard the voice of God say to me this marriage is not for you not with this person and everything in me wanted to compromise everything in me was like are you kidding me I have waited this long and now and let me tell you when I went through that season it wasn't even so much about the loss of of the man the person it was that my dream died that's what it felt like. You know, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing in the fire in their very lives, they were facing death. We may not face literal death, but sometimes relationally in our life or whatever promise it is that we have been believing for. If you've believed, God gave you a word about a business, you know, man, and you've put everything on the line or you've been believing for a spouse or you've been believing for a child to come back to God or you've been believing to have a child and then all of a sudden everything seems like it's dead in the water, like it'll never, ever, ever happen. What do we do then? And I learned during that season to still trust in my God. We had a conference called Dream Again. And I began to dream again. I let God minister to me. I got so much healing and breakthrough. It was wonderful. And then um, I remember even in that season, people gave me such great wisdom and advice. They're like, Stacy, you need to live everything that is in your heart. Regardless of if you're married or not, live everything that's on the inside of you. And I tell you what, that was the best advice. I did that. I went on all the trips. I ministered my little heart out. And I'm telling you, I did that in spheres that were so uncomfortable to me. In that season of my life, and uh, I, I was the only single pastor on staff, I walked into many rooms where I was the only single person. I would minister to people. I would help people get together. I would consult people. And yet this was an area of my life that was still not yet fulfilled. And I remember during that time, and I just want to give a little side note to people that might be in that situation or, you know, a friend or somebody that is. God spoke this to me. He said, Stacy, I have never called anyone by status. I only call them by name. When you read your Bible... You don't see Miss, Mr. and Mrs. You see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see Sarah and Deborah. You see Mary. You see their names. God, oh God, there is a place I am telling you that no human can bring forth a healing in your identity. Only God himself can speak his word deep into your heart and heal a place in you that only he can fill, fulfill because he designed you. In you, what part of you, what part of your identity is craving the affirmation of man when you can only get that affirmation from Jesus himself? Your worth is not wrapped up in humanity. Your worth is wrapped up in your Savior. And to be honest with you, I wish that's where the, the story ended. But for me, um, even in this, that, that, that worked for me for a long time, and it's great, but healing comes in layers, And it's wonderful. And I had the deliverance. I had the healing. I learned emotion. All of that stuff was very good. And it lasted for a long time. But even in this last year, I began to feel rattled again. And my identity started being rattled again. And people are not mean or horrible, but they say a lot of insensitive things that they don't understand what they're saying. And I would get all of these questions. Don't you even want to be married? Don't you even want to have children? Stacey, have you thought about freezing your eggs? And I'm just staring at them like, you have no idea. You have no idea what I've been contending and, and living for. And I don't believe they're mean or horrible. They just don't know. They don't know what they're saying. What areas of our lives or your lives have people said things? And they just don't know what they're saying. And after this last year, I had had two breakups that were kind of abrupt and unexpected. And then I bought my beautiful house, and it was going to be such a moment of celebration and excitement. It was, I bought a house in San Diego by myself. Like, it was such a huge, yes, it was a huge victory. But I'll never forget walking into that house for the first time. And I was walking in alone. And the reality of that hurt me so much. And it all came flooding back. God, how is this possible? I'm the most relational human on the planet. What? And then I decided I couldn't rationalize anymore. I had done the deliverance. I had done the healing. I had read my Bible. I had preached to myself over and over again and I couldn't get it. So I decided to go to a relational counselor. He was an expert in the field. So his field was a Christian expert relationship counselor. And I was like, all right, let's do this. So I sit in his office and I'm like, here's everything. Tell me what's wrong with me. And he began, and we began to understand my personality and the way I think and all the things. And then they, you know, kind of pull up the carpet and they go deep into your history and they bring it all the way forward. And and we talk about all the things. And finally we get to kind of a point in therapy where he looked at me and said, all right, Stacy, we've done all the digging. And he said, this is what I want you to know. This is where we're at. And he looked at me in the eyes and he said, "Stacy, there is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong wrong with you and then he began to tell me all these wonderful things about myself and it made me feel really great for a couple minutes and it's going on you know you attach well to you know to, to to men you you've navigated your relationships so well and all of these things that was great for a couple minutes and then i looked at him and i'm like whoa, now what when there's no problem to fix, when you've done all that you know, now what? So I looked at him and I said, well, Mr. Expert Relationship Counselor, now what? And he looked at me in the eyes and he said, Stacy, this is another total loss of control. You cannot determine your own outcome. So you will have to lose all control again. And only trust in your Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you. I don't know what part of you needed to hear that today. What part of your identity needs to be told your worth and your value? There is nothing wrong with you. But sometimes when we don't get what we want, when we want it, how we want it, when we're in that place, this word in Daniel became very alive to me. And I came to a place in my life where I went, you know what? I can't go back. I know what it's like to feel numb. I know what it's like to want to medicate what is hurting me, what pain has been wrong. I cannot go back to that place. I became too much of a Christian. I'm too saved. I know too much. I can't go back to my old self. Come on, somebody. And so I said, you know what? God, I know that you will you will, but even if you don't, yet will I love you, yet will I trust you, yet will I praise you, yet will I minister, yet will I be a pastor, yet will I live for you all of the days of my life. And do you know what all of that means? I came to a place in my life. And believe you me, I still contend. I still have my days. I'm not any version of perfect. In fact, no one is. Do you know that perfect people don't marry each other? Married people, you know that to be very true. (laughs) No, we don't earn love. We don't perform for love. We choose it. And I got to a place where I understood on a whole new level, this is what freedom looks like. When you get your way or you don't, when you see the way it's going to be or you don't, and yet you come to a place of devotion and conviction that says, God, I know you will, but even if you don't, I will love you for the rest of my life. That, my friends, is freedom. And the Bible says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they fell into the midst of their fire, says this, But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of the blazing fire, still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king looked and was astounded, and he jumped up and said to his counselors, did we not throw three men who were tied up into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, certainly, O king. He answered, look, I see four men united, walking around in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. And then Nebuchadnezzar approached the door of the blazing furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out of there. Come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The satraps, the, the, the prefects, the governors and the kings and the counselors around them saw that in regards to these men, the fire had no effect on their bodies. Their hair was not singed. Their clothes were not scorched or damaged. Even the smell of smoke was not on them. That's what happens when you come out of the fiery furnace and you discover who you are. You don't even smell. Your identity is fully intact in the name of Jesus. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel and rescued his servants who believed in, trusted in, and relied on him. They violated the king's commands, the world, the earth's demands, and surrendered their bodies rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language that speaks anything offensive against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces, and their houses to be made a heap of rubbish, for there is no other god who is able to save in this way. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon, in the very place of our pain, in the very place of our hurt, in the very place where we were mocked, threatened, told to compromise. They will be the very people that turn and all of a sudden come face to face with not their old wicked ways, but to a God that they know will come through for them. And those wicked, evil people were the very ones to cause Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper. I love it because Daniel and his, the, the three friends, though they, they were raised up, though they were rescued, though they were set free, they had gotten to such a place that even though they did receive what they had been believing for, and, and they realized that Jesus, do you know that Jesus was with them the whole time? He was just revealed in the fire? Jesus Himself is revealed in our own fire? And when that happened and they came out of the fire unscorched, where people couldn't even tell that they had been there, their testimony was so strong, their identity so secure, they decided to stay in that wicked city and flip it upside down. They lived there, what historians believe, for the rest of their lives. They never left. They decided to minister to the very people who caused them pain. Can we be so healed, so delivered, so set free that we can look at the eyes of another, look at their pain, and help them to get to their root cause and help them to heal. I believe we can. Yes and amen. Point number five, we're going to wrap it up right now. When you become too Christian, there is nowhere else to go and no one else to trust. But God Himself. I know that you will, but even if you don't, where else would I go? What else can I do? Depression for me doesn't work. It's too sad. I'm too happy of a person. I'll be there like for like a half a day. Women, we can like have a bath, it's fine. Men, you can go to your cave for a couple hours. But at the end of the day, we've got to come out. It's too, too sad in there. We've got to come to the light. We've got to live our lives. To me, it got to a place. None of it sounded good. I could never go back to, not, to, to being numb again. I never will. I was too saved. You don't, You begin to not have a taste for evil. And you get to a place that no matter what happens, God, oh God, Lord, I know you will. But if and if you don't, I'm going to live the best of my life. And do you know that King David found himself there as well? Come hell or high water, God, I will serve and love you for the rest of my life, no matter what happens. I want to read a scripture over you that was written in the Psalms by King David when he found himself in that place too. Could everybody just stand to their feet? Feel free to close your eyes, uh, to lift your hands to heaven. I want these words of the Bible to wash over you and to minister to you as they do me. The Bible says this, Psalm 139, 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the netherworld, the place of the dead, hell itself. Behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, if I run to the deepest, darkest place, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will take hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me and the night will be the only light around me, even the darkness is not dark to you and conceals nothing from you. But the night shines as bright as the day darkness and light are alike to you for you formed my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks and praise to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous how wonderful are your works and my soul knows this very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in the secret and intricately and skillfully formed as if embroidered with many colors in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were appointed for me when as yet there was not one of them even taking shape. How precious also are your thought towards me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. God was with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and He is with us. There is another in the fire and it is God Himself, the Holy Spirit with us. And if we do not faint to the day of adversity then God and the very people who wanted to burn us alive, the devil who wanted to kill, steal and destroy, the very destiny and purpose that God placed on the inside of us, they will be the ones to respect us the most. They will be the ones to flip and to receive Jesus as their Savior and they will cause us to flourish. I will not bow, I will stand. If you're in this place and you're like, you know what? I want that conviction too. I don't want to bow. I want to stand. I want you to rush the stage. I want you to come forward. We're going to praise the name of God. We're going to sing a song. And I want us, like me, when that got on the inside of me, I was like, come hell or high water. My devotion to my Savior will keep me for the rest of my life. If you have wavered in your identity, if there have been things that the world has tried to tell you you are, that you are not, come forward on the Let God meet with you. There are some things that no human words will suffice. I got to that place. I didn't need another prophecy. I didn't need another word. I needed Jesus Himself. To minister to me and He did. I want you to come to this altar because just like me, whether it was an altar that, that, that was perfectly set up or not, I wanted to be free. I didn't care. I wanted to meet with my Jesus and I'm telling you He is here for us right now. Let Him minister to each and every one of us. All you have to do, lift your hands to heaven. Allow God to come into those parts of our heart that have been broken and that have been hurt and that have been in pain and let Him restore you to your worth. He knows how to do it because He designed you in the first place. He's the one that knit you together. He put together your purpose. He knew what He wanted on planet Earth and He chose you. Today, can we make a recommitment in a heart to choose Him? I choose you. I asked the worship team to sing a song and lead us in a time of worship where we're just going to allow for God Himself to speak. And so whether you're on the altar or whether you're in your seat, I want you just to begin to close your eyes. It doesn't matter who's on the left and who is on the right. Why don't you close your eyes and meet with your Savior. Discover what He wants to say about you, the thoughts that He thinks towards you. Come on, let's, let's begin to, to sing.
0: Wow.